Sadly, most churches today are in existence simply because people want to hear a certain message. They don't want to know how sick and desperate they are in need of grace. They want to know how to feel good for the moment. And that is what is being discussed by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. You see, God calls us to preach the Word one specific way and one way only. To preach any other way, to accommodate those who want to feel good, is just wrong, as we're seeing here in 2 Timothy. Join us for more. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Listen to me now, Coram Dale. Coram Dale, we are presently in the presence of the Lord. Will you hear me? You are presently in the presence of the Lord. I don't want to treat this long, but here's how you know. When you come out of your car, make your way through the parking lot, come into this building, and the people of God assemble to worship the true and the living God in spirit and in truth, and the Word of God is honored at the highest level, immediately you move out of a secular dimension into a spiritual dimension where you are presently as close to God as you will get until you die. This is it. This is it. This is it. You get no closer to God than the Word of God being opened and preached by the Spirit of God. You are no closer to God than you will ever be than right now. Coram Dale, in the presence of God, the only question is, can you hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches? Do you come in ready, willing, and wanting to hear from God or merely to be entertained. Paul said, Timothy, preach because Christ is present and preach. Are y'all ready? Because he's coming. Because he's coming. Because he's coming. I, I love what Paul is doing. I know by virtue of my familiarity with the Bible that Paul lived in the Old Testament as he taught the New Testament. He lived in it. Pull up Jeremiah 5.31. Let me show you why Paul says what he says here. Preach the word because Christ is coming. He will appear one day and we all will have to give an answer to this thing called worship. Are y'all ready? Here's what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 5.31. Tell me, is this not what's going on in our day? The prophets prophesy falsely. Is that what's happening today? Are they prophesying falsely today? Are they denying God's word, distorting God's word, perverting God's word, using it as a means of merchandising the people? Are they prophesying falsely? Have they denied the gospel? Have they rejected Christ? Have they denied the verity and infallibility and inerrancy of the Word of God and gone to teaching fables? Is that where we are today? Fables and myths dominate our churches. The prophets prophesy falsely and the peace priests bear rule by their own what? The word there is will. Will. By their own will. They wake up in the morning and determine what the people need. Now watch this. this. This is not bad. What's really bad is the second line. And my people love to have it so. They go to church. 
and discover that the word is not about God in Christ to the glory of God in Christ and the preaching of the redemptive work of Christ for the redemption of the souls of men, but entertainment of topics and subjects that have nothing to do with your eternity-bound soul. Are y'all hearing me? They go in, they feel good, and they leave happy. My people love to have it so. Here's the problem. God said one more thing there. Ah, but what will they do in the end thereof? What they going to do when the Lord shows up? What you going to do? What you going to do when he comes for you? What you going to do? Because he's coming. He's coming. What you going to do when he comes for you? And he may come for you tonight. What you going to do when he comes for you? You're going to meet God, and you're going to have to answer for having closed your ears to the Word of God. What you going to do? What you going to do? This is where Timothy is in the day in which Paul is trying to buoy him up and strengthen him. Go with me to your first point. Let me show you something in uh, verse 2, part A. In fact, I'll deal with the whole of this under our, not our first point. Yeah, well... Yeah, let me start. No, go with me to the second point. I'll come back to the first point later, as I said. In point number two, it corresponds to Paul's primary imperative to Timothy in verse 2, part A. Notice what it says. Preach the word. Do you see it? Preach the word. Now, it's in a verb form that could imply that Timothy is being told to do something for the first time. But I want you to know because of my awareness of the grammar and the language, that this is not him being called to preach the word for the first time. He's being called to preach the word again as if it was the first time. Here's what he's saying. When people start to act the fool, preach the word. Whether people like to hear it or not, preach the word. Timothy, whether it is a good season or a bad season, watch this. Preach the word. Preach the word. Timothy, at every occasion upon which you have an opportunity, only want you to do one thing. Preach the word. Do y'all see that? Now watch what he says. Be instant in season and out of season. Do you see that? Under point number two, this is what I call, what is, what I call perennial readiness. Do y'all see that? Subpoint A, perennial readiness. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, I'm in keeping with the whole concept of the season there. Preach in season and out of season. That's an agricultural concept about whether or not we are in a season where the word is sown and bears fruit or not. When you're in a season where it doesn't bear fruit, you have little motivation to want to sow the seed. But what Paul tells Timothy to do is sow the seed in bad season and in good season. Now, when he uses the term be instant, y'all see that in your old King James Bible? Very difficult term. It could be translated be ready. But the actual word there means to be so ready that you are up against the situation. By the time the situation gets started, you are ready to answer it. It's a word that means to be so ready that upon beckoning, you immediately go into action. In the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, I don't want you to go there, 2 verse 9, uh, you have um, Simeon, Elizabeth, and Zechariah. Zechariah is in the, in the uh, temple doing his work as a priest. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared instantly. That's what the term means. It means when it's time for you to preach, young man, old man, 
Don't find yourself having to get ready. You better be ready. Don't find yourself having to pray about it. You should already prayed about it. You should already have your pistol cop. That is the word of God. You should have already have your sword drawn. That is the word of God. You should already have the mirror out. That is the word of God. Didn't we hear it this morning? You should already be inclined to, ready to bring the word of God. Motivated, driven, committed, watching, listening, ready to put it out there. This is what the minister of the word is called to do. His eagerness to preach is not about reaching you in the first instance, but rather being obedient to his Lord who has called him to preach. Are you hearing me? His eagerness to preach is not to tickle your ears, but to tell you what's right. So what Paul is telling Timothy is, Timothy, you got to get your heart right, brother. You got to have on the whole armor of God. You got to be ready to stand against the wiles of the devil and then stand continually for the glory of God and for the good of souls. Are you hearing me? He says to Timothy, preach the word this way. Preach the word this way. Be ready perennially to preach in no matter what season it is. And now he shares with us the nature and character of sound biblical preaching. I want you to get it now. He says that preaching will be largely reproving people. He says reprove. Do you see that? He says preaching will largely be reproving people. The word reprove there means to correct, to expose the error and let you know what's wrong. Hear me now, hear me now. Preaching is not first to soothe your wounds, make you feel good, tell you you are all right. That would be a betrayal of my office if you came in here to hear me telling you you're all right when in fact you're sick. He says, correct, that is reprove, and then what? Rebuke. Oh, it even gets worse. See, with a person that comes in knowing they got a problem, I can tell you what the problem is, and we can correct it, right? It's the idea of a broken leg that's being mended by, back by the right process. It's going to be painful, but when you leave here, you will be in the process of healing. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going in our text in a moment. You're in a process of healing. Are you hearing me? But now there will be people that I will have to flat out rebuke. Flat out say you are in rebellion, you are in disobedience, and if you should continue in that disobedience, I can let you know assuredly you are presently under the wrath of God. That's what rebuke is all about. Letting you know sharply that you are in a bad way. Now you see how quick people hurry up and come to church? For correction and rebuke, they don't come for that, do they? They come for everything but correction and rebuke. Unless you are serious about going to heaven. Do you hear me? Watch this now. He says, preach the word in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and then do what? Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Two things I want to show you here. Exhortation is encouragement. Exhortation is to draw you near, but it is never to draw you near to merely make you feel good, but to encourage you to stay on the right path. Stay on the right path. So when I am uh, correcting the errorist, and I am rebu rebuking the arrogant. I am encouraging the earnest. 
The earnest soul will be encouraged. The earnest soul will be given access to the proper tools to help them stay in the way. Because you see, every one of us, we are all inclined to wander, right? Wander from the shepherd, wander away from peace. Remember what Isaiah said? Christ said in Isaiah, in returning and rest should be your confidence. Returning means repent. Return to the shepherd, draw near to the shepherd, stay with the shepherd because he leads you beside what? Still waters. When you and I are wandering, we get way out of the way and the last thing we have is peace. Is that right? Well, if you're going to have the peace that you lost in your rebellion, guess what you're going to have to do? Repent. Turn it around. Make a U-turn. Some folk in their disobedience blow me away. They'll come to me and they'll tell me they're in sin. All right? I'm like, this is absolutely absurd because they're telling me in their, they're in sin. But they act like they don't know what to do about it. It's like having a car that you can put in park and then the only other gear you have is drive. So you're driving and you're going the wrong way. Oh, Lord, I'm going the wrong way. What are you supposed to do when you go the wrong way? Put it in reverse. That's what you do. You put it in reverse. But they act like they don't have a reverse. Are you hearing me? I go, this is amazing. Now you took up two hours of my time when God had already given you the remedy, and that's repent. But you see, when you're blinded by your lust, you can't find that letter on the gear shift. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And when you come to counsel, all you want from them is an affirmation that it's all right to stay in your rebellion. And many false prophets and false teachers say peace, peace, when there is no peace at all. Paul is telling Timothy, you continue not only reproving, reproving, rebuking, and exhorting, but you do it with all long-suffering. Do you see that? In your outline, I call it with the patience of God. with the patience of God. This is very humbling for the pastor and the elders and the leaders. Do you know why? Because you discover as a pastor that your patience runs short. It runs short with everybody. Actually, this particular Greek term says that I actually need to call on God for a resource that I don't have to be patient with rebellious people. I have to call on God to give me grace to be patient, enduring with people who are out of the way. Now, God has given me that over the years. I have learned how to be patient with people, and it does pay off because some of God's wayward sheep get so lost out there. Hey, hey, come back. And you might hear way in the distance. Bye. (laughs) And as an under-shepherd, you have to wait until the Holy Ghost turns them around and start making their journey back. you got to be there. That long suffering comes from God because we'd be then quickly excommunicated them, condemned them, made them unable to return, scandalized their name, put it out there among the congregation and had everybody to call them demonically possessed or irretrievably recovered. Am I making some sense? 
All right, and the Lord is telling Timothy through Paul that you've got to understand the big picture, young man. You've got to understand the big picture. So preaching deals with these two negative tones and then a positive tone, two positive tones, really exhortations and long-suffering and patience because we ultimately do see people return. Under point number two then, perennial readiness, correcting, rebuking, exhorting with the patience of God and being committed to what? Teaching. Here's where we're getting ready to go to work. Be committed to doctrine, 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 which word gives folks in the 21st century the heebie-jeebies. What do you mean, pastor? People act like doctrine is some kind of disease. When in reality, the people are the one diseased and the doctrine is the healing medicament for that disease. Can I unpack this a little bit? Show you what I'm saying. Then we're going to go back to Isaiah, lay down what Isaiah said, and then I'm going to make an observation about our outline and close. In your, uh, in your outline under point number two, here's how this goes. The condemnation of spiritual what? Are y'all in the house with me? The condemnation of what? Spiritual flabbiness. I'm sorry, this is the only way I could describe this because of what I have to say right now. When Timothy is told to make sure he continues teaching, expounding, explaining, setting forth the Word of God distinctively, the law of God clearly, in order that he might be helpful to the people of God, is because the people of God are in two conditions spiritually. You you guys ready? Out of shape and sick. Paul says in uh, uh, point, uh, uh, verse 3, these words, listen to it. He says, for the time will come when they will not what? Endure sound doctrine. Stay right there because I want us to deal with the first evidence of an unseasonal preaching event. The time when the word of God is not received. When the word of God is not received, there is a response on the part of people When the word of God is preached, and that is, they will not endure it. Now, you really need to know that term because that term is insightful. It really is a kind of um, uh, exercise term. It's a term that has to do with the ability to bear up under weight. Literally, that Greek verb means to receive something and maintain something throughout the process of that reception of it until you have fully gained what you have received. It is like someone who is in the gym working out and realizing that they are very fatigued because they don't have the endurance to maintain holding on to the weight. Am I making some sense? Please hear me now because I want you to get the gymnastic metaphor of which Paul talks about all the time, running the race and boxing and many other metaphors that describe the necessity of a body being sound, whole, healthy, and working in order. And that's why today we find ourselves often reluctantly going to the what? Gym. Paul says you are to, you are to be careful to watch out for those who will not endure hold up under, maintain the weight of sound doctrine. In other words, when the doctrine is preached and the doctrine is taught for those people who are spiritually flabby, it is not a positive experience at all. The weight of truth is too heavy for them. 
The weight of doctrine is too weighty for them. They have no, watch this now, they have no desire to endure the process of working out at length until they build their spiritual muscles and become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Stay with me now, I want you to get it. And every Christian from the beginning of time to this day have had to bear up under sound doctrine. What do you mean, Pastor? Sound doctrine is the promises of God given to you. The promises of God are yes and amen in Christ, but they must be worked out in your life. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? They are always complete in Christ, but a process in your life. When God grants you faith, when he gives you faith, he gives you faith to do what? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Are y'all hearing me? Work it out. It's the metaphor of staying under the teaching because the teaching shapes you. The teaching shapes you. When the Word of God is working in your life by the Spirit of God, it will work off all the flabbiness. It will cause you to sweat in a right way, in a healthy way, until you begin to develop muscles in areas that you don't have. Muscles in the area, hey, hey, watch this now, muscles in the area of focus, of discipline, of the ability to discern of the ability to endure trouble, endure trials, endure stresses, endure hardships, and not come up from under the weight of the Word of God. What Paul said is, when the Word of God is taught and you come to church, your mind and your heart and your soul is in the gym. You are in the gym. And you are made to have to discipline yourself to hear God's Word. Am I making some sense? You are in the gym. And you turn around and you look and you watch how people come into the gym and tap out in five minutes. Stay with me. I'm going to keep preaching whether you like it or not. Watch this now. Watch this now. There are two kind of people in the gym. You've seen them before. They are the people who quietly come in and they immediately go to their exercise regimen. And that's exactly what Hebrews chapter 12 says. That we are to endure the chastening, developing, correcting, admonishing work of God the Father, being exercised thereby in order that we might see the peaceable fruits of righteousness as a consequence of the exercise. Are y'all hearing me? All whom the Lord loves, he what? He puts them under the weight. He puts them under the weight. He calls them to be trained. Pideon in the Greek means to be trained, to be trained, to be trained to be trained like children are trained by their parents are they not you, you guys remember what it was like to be a child you couldn't wait to grow up and leave mom and daddy because you wanted to get up from under the what wait and if you're going to look like father god and big brother lord jesus you're going to have to endure the weight of god's word which you have received with meekness and fear until you are transformed into his image after all, the Lord Jesus Christ himself came down from glory, assumed a human nature, even as a baby, and came under the weight. He came under the weight. He endured the Word of God. He stayed under the weight of the Word of God. Watch this. He stayed under the weight of the Word for me. In fact, not only did he stay under the weight of the Word for me, he stayed under the weight of the Word for my sin, for my rebellion for my disobedience. He stayed under the weight of the word for me. 
Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace you're growing in your love and adoration of Jesus Christ. That's the goal and the intent here at Way of Grace, that we might understand the amazing love of God in Christ. If you would like to obtain a copy of today's program, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. CDs are $5. Simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you. Or if you're internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file in MP3 version and that one's free. Grace-Bible.com is our website. That's Grace-Bible.com. And again, If you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510-886-9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5, or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com, or call 510-886-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX, in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end, and we look to the Lord for his gracious provision. And if you'd like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510-886-9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Jesus anyway.